Welcome to the New Providence Presbyterian Church podcast, where we will share our messages from our weekend worship services. We hope these messages will inspire you and challenge you in your walk with Jesus. Jesus shared three powerful words that changed the lives of those with whom he came in contact. And these three words were, come, follow me. Come, follow me. This was an invitation and a call of God that changed the lives of those early disciples back in the first century, nearly 2,000 years ago. This is the call and invitation of Jesus in the first century, and it's the call and invitation still for us today in the 21st century. Jesus says, come and follow me. His call is to become one of his disciples. A disciple means to be a learner or a follower or an apprentice. To be a disciple is to be with Jesus in order to become like Jesus. Let me say that again. A disciple of Jesus is one who is with Jesus in order to become like Jesus. And the good news is we don't have to have it all figured out when we come to him. We don't have to know everything about him. We don't have to have our lives cleaned up. That's pretty clear from the New Testament recordings of Jesus' life because his disciples were pieces of work. I mean, they just were. Fishermen, I mean, come on. I mean, you talk about foul mouth, bad situations. Fishermen, not in good shape. Tax collector, not a good situation, right? Someone, then another guy who wants to overthrow the U.S. government. You want to talk about, this is before social media, what would have, it's bad news. This guy went to overthrow the government. Then you had a traitor who eventually turned against Jesus. So not, the guys who followed Jesus didn't have it all together. They didn't know everything about him, but they heard these words, come follow me. And they responded, and they were with Jesus, and over time they became more like Jesus. That call goes out to us today as well. If you think about those words, come follow me, that first word is a word of invitation. Come, come to me, Jesus said. And we see that throughout the gospel accounts. Jesus said in Matthew 4, he said, come and follow me. Then he said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, come all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest, give you rest. In other gospel accounts we see in, in Mark chapter 6, he says, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place so that you could have rest. In the beginning of the gospel, John, he says, come and see. Later at a festival in John 7, he says, come to me all who are thirsty and I'll give you living water. And then the powerful invitation, Lazarus who was dead in John chapter 11, he said, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus came back to life. The words of Jesus have power. And another word, invitation of Jesus, at the end of the Gospel of John, on the, on the beach and on the shore, he said, come, let's have some breakfast. Right? We see Jesus every time he invites. It's a, it's a powerful invitation. It's a personal invitation. It's a life-changing invitation. And with each invitation comes for provision. It comes with rest. It even comes with breakfast. It comes with new life. It's the call of Jesus and uh, it's important. But we see that this call is available to all people, but not all respond. There's freedom. In the gospel, we, Gospels, we see that there are many who turn away from Jesus when his teaching became difficult. We also see others that when it was a personal conviction, and maybe it was too much in terms of selling everything and, and giving it to the poor, that some turned away from Jesus. So not everyone responded to the call of Jesus, but Jesus still put out the call, put out the invitation. And that still applies to us today as well. The call goes out, the invitation goes out. But it's up to us, relying on God's grace, to consider that call and respond to it. This call is important, 
And this call is essential. And that's our focus for today as we continue in our sermon series entitled, This is Essential. We're looking at the core essential beliefs of the Christian faith. And specifically, we're walking through the essential tenets as described in the denomination that we're a part of, ECO. New Promise Presbyterian Church is part of a network of churches that keep each other accountable and encourage each other and provide shared resources. And one of those resources is the essential tenets, the description of the core beliefs of the Christian faith. And so we're walking through those with the goal of resetting as a church of what's core, what's in, uh, essential. Because there's so much in this world that can pull us apart and pull us in so many different directions. And for us as a church to say, where can we find commonality and unity? Ultimately, it's in Christ. And then it's in the essential core beliefs about who he is and what that means for our life. And so the saying that goes back centuries upon centuries, which has helped churches stay unified and the body of Christ to stay unified, especially in times of tumult and trouble, is the saying, in essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. Over all things, charity or love. And so thinking about what are the core essentials, there's unity in those beliefs in terms of who Jesus is, the uniqueness of his word, his resurrection from the dead, those core beliefs. But in the non-essentials, there's, a call, there's an openness for liberty, meaning that there's gonna be differences among Christians about different beliefs about certain aspects of, of life and even faith. With the Apostle Paul in Romans 14 showing us that this is not anything new in the 21st century. In the first century, he talked about disputable matters and how there needed to be freedom within those disputable matters. Things like how communion is served. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. He didn't say, take the bread, cut it in inch by inch blocks. You know, he didn't go to that level. There's freedom in how we serve communion, but what's essential is that we do it. And so that's how we can find unity in a world where we're being torn apart in so many different ways. In the essentials, unity, and the non-essentials, there's liberty. But over all things, a posture of charity and love. And so in a, a, an essential belief, today we're gonna focusing is on God's call. That God's call is essential. And his call to follow Jesus as a disciple. Um, and we're gonna do this by looking at a, a New Testament window into a life of a bunch of Christians in that time. Because uh, after Jesus' life, after his death, after his resurrection from the dead, with the news about him made its way out into the whole Mediterranean region, the whole known world of that time, and transformed the entire world. And as it did, it went from Jesus saying, come follow me, to his followers saying, listen to this message and follow him. And that message was some, the good news, this incredible message that there was this man named Jesus who was more than a carpenter, he was more than a nice guy, he was more than a teacher, he was more than a prophet, he was the son of God who came to rescue us as the Messiah, the promised one. And he didn't die, he didn't stay in the grave, but he was resurrected to life in real time. And because of that resurrection, showing that he overcame sin, evil, and even death itself. And that death didn't have the final word. That sin didn't have the final word. That the guilt and the shame and the burdens that people carry and the mistakes that we've made where we feel like we can't forgive ourselves, the good news is that God already knows those mistakes. He knows those sins. And he chose of his great love to make the way for us to be forgiven. And that news went out and transformed the entire Mediterranean region, in fact, the whole world, and is transforming the world even to this day. And so one of those early communities was in the ancient city of Thessalonica. And in this city, as we read in Acts 17 in the New Testament, we see how Paul and Silas and Timothy came to the city and established a community of, of Christians, of followers of Christ, of disciples. And later he wrote back multiple letters back to that community to explain the meaning and significance of Jesus, 
to encourage them in their faith and answer questions that they had. And so we're going to look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 this morning with the goal of having a window into how the good news of Jesus Christ came into the lives of this community of believers and how it transformed them, how it changed them. In fact, how God's call went forward and they responded. And they responded because it was a supernatural call. And that supernatural call had a supernatural impact. We're going to see that God supernaturally calls us with his life-transforming grace and then calls us to share that grace with others. In essence, we are blessed to be a blessing. And so we're going to look at that as we look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Um, so here's how we're going to approach it. I'm going to read the whole chapter, 10 verses of 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. And let you know, this is one of my favorite books in the Bible. Um, it's because I led my first Bible study out of this book. And so it's kind of near and dear to my heart. It's also, uh, scholars believe it's the first letter that the Apostle Paul wrote. So in many ways, these are like his first words. This, this letter has a special place in my heart. And this first chapter shows a picture of a people who heard this good news and their life was turned upside down for the better because of God's ways. So I'm going to read through the whole chapter and then we'll go verse by verse to talk about the meaning and significance of what that means for us today as we hear God's call. So starting in verse 1, 1 Thessalonians, we read this. Paul, Silas, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians and God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace be with you. We always thank God for all of you and constantly mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but with also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere, everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Right here as we look at God's word, we see in this beginning in, in verse one that this letter was written not just from the Apostle Paul, but from a team. Paul, Silas, and Timothy wrote this back to these dear Christians in the city of Thessalonica. I love this picture. It's a, it's a team effort. It's not a solo effort. It's a team effort. And he wrote to them, and he gave them this great greeting. He said, grace and peace to you, meaning everything that is needed is for you. And he reminds these Thessalonians, after they've been away for a bit, how, how he always remembers them in prayer, and he thanks God for them in verse 2. And then on to verse 3, he talks about the work that God already in them. In verse 3, we read that he says, He remembers before our God and Father their, their work produced by faith, their labor prompted by love, right? And, and the endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Here we see faith, love, and hope in action, all rooted in Jesus Christ. Then we move on to the call, the call and invitation that went to these Thessalonian Christians. 
Starting in verse four, we see, for we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you. Here, Paul, Silas, and Timothy are reminding these Thessalonian Christians that they're loved by God, that they've been chosen by him, they've been noticed by him, that God didn't overlook them, that he saw them, noticed them, didn't forget about them, chose them. Why do we know this? Because in verse five, he says, because, he says, because our gospel came to you, not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. Three entities. Don't lose track of what the Apostle Paul said and, and Silas and Timothy together. They said that the gospel came this way. The gospel, which for us, we hear gospel, we think, hey, maybe a musical, maybe some good news. I mean, what does gospel mean? Hey, I need some, I need some good news today. But in the original context, right, the word gospel, and I've shared this before, it comes from the Greek word euangelion, which is an announcement of good news. It's an announcement of victory. It was the word that was used to describe when Roman troops came back from battle and they won, and they would announce that there was a victory, and it was good news, glad tidings. And for them it was because Caesar is Lord. But here the apostle Paul says, no, the real Lord is Jesus Christ. He is Lord. He's won the victory. And that's the message that came. The message of the one, Jesus, who is not just a son of a carpenter, not just a nice guy, not just a teacher, not even just a prophet, but the son of God who came to rescue us. And this gospel came, not simply with words, we read in this passage, but with three things, but also with power, the Holy Spirit, and deep conviction. It came with power. Right? This word is from the Greek word translated that means dynamite. It's dunamis, dynamite. And when dynamite goes off, people pay attention. Right, if someone shot off some dynamite in that parking lot right now, everyone would pay attention, even on a daily savings time morning. Right? You would wake up really fast if dynamite went off. It would just blow up. And in the spring, it's a lot harder when we change the clocks the other way. But right now, but the dynamite goes off, everyone would pay attention. That's how the message of the gospel came to these Thessalonian Christians. It impacted them so much that everyone just had to turn them like something's different about these people. What just happened? It came with power. It also came with the Holy Spirit. So it wasn't just um, an impersonal power or a force or the universe which, which, which worked in their lives. Some generic universe came and helped them. No, this is a personal God with a personal call, with a personal impact. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God came with these words. So it came with power and the Holy Spirit, but also with deep conviction deep conviction, not surface level, not just a nice idea, not just an intellectual exercise, but a deep conviction, getting them at the heart level, the soul level. And it called for a full response of heart, soul, mind, and strength. It came with deep conviction, is what we read. These Thessalonian Christians, their lives were changed. And it was changed by the call of God. It came by the gospel, this good news, that God didn't leave us on our own. In the midst of our sin, in the midst of our rebellion, as we were running in one direction, God didn't say, leave them, they'll get what they deserve, forget them. No, God said, I'm gonna chase after them. I'm gonna come after them with my love. And I'm coming after them with my son. And that son is gonna die on the cross for the forgiveness of their sins and be resurrected from life, showing them the world that he is who he said he is. And because of that, there's power, and there's new life, and life doesn't end with this life. It lasts forever. That gospel message changed these Thessalonians. It came with power, the Holy Spirit, and deep conviction. So what was the outcome? As we move on to verse six and going forward, we see the outcome even more. We see that they became imitators, that these Thessalonian Christians became imitators of Paul, Silas, and Timothy. It says, and of the Lord, meaning Jesus. 
And we see here that they realized that to, to respond to this message mean, meant to become a disciple of Jesus, to become a follower, a learner, an apprentice, to be with Jesus in order to become like Jesus. And so they became imitators of Paul, Silas, and Timothy who were already becoming imitators of Jesus. And you see the series of imitations that take place. This is the way of the church, the way of discipleship. We are seeking to imitate Christ, and as we're around others who are seeking to imitate Christ, we too imitate Christ. We are all with Jesus to become more like Jesus. And not only were they imitating, but then in the next verse we see that they became a model to all the believers in that region. Others were looking to them. They were the model. They were the ones who were showing what it's like to be a follower of Jesus. And they became a model to all of them. And not only that, but their message in verse 8 rang out. I love this description. The message, this gospel message couldn't be contained in Thessalonica. It rang out. It's like if you rang the bells and you could see sound waves going out. You take a clear pond, perfectly clear with the water, crystal clear, and you take a big boulder and chuck it in the middle of it and you see all the ripples go out. That's the picture of how this message rang out from Thessalonica. Throughout the whole Mediterranean region, it rang out and everyone knew about their faith. What did they know about their faith? Verses 9 and 10 show us that, that they were impacted. This supernatural message had a supernatural impact. That they, they turned to God from idols. They, and there were lots of idols in that time. Things that were, that were competing with their attention, affection, and allegiance. They turned from idols to serve the living and true God. That was in the present, but also looking towards the future. Look, and waiting for the sun to return. For them, believing and knowing that if God promised that he would show up, which he did in Christ, and that he promised that there would be a rescuer, which we see in Christ, and he was resurrected from the dead, that his promises that he would return, that they believed in that promise as well. And they lived with a sense of expectancy that Jesus would return. The rescuer would return. No one knew then what time it was. No one knows what time it is now. But there's a sense that he's coming back. And that... This world is, for all it is, that we know that at some point, God's gonna set things right. He's gonna set it fully right, beginning with Jesus coming back. They waited for the sun from heaven. This was a marker of their life. You see a life, these lives that were impacted by a supernatural message. And that supernatural message had a supernatural impact. And so as we consider, what does that mean for us today? We think about even our lives. This call goes forward. The call from Jesus that says, come, follow me. Come, follow me. And the, the call that goes forward in the message about him, that he is the son of God, that Jesus is the one who gave his life away. He lived the perfect life. He died on the cross, and he, on the third day, was resurrected from the dead, that this gospel message, this good news, this announcement of victory is not just for them back then. It's also for us today. And for us to consider that call, maybe for the first time, maybe reconsider that call if you've been whole pu pushing God away and saying, I, I want to be a part of this. I want to be in on this. I want some of that dynamite. I want some of that power. I want to be a part of what you're doing. I want my life to be changed. I want to spend more time with you, Jesus, so I can become more like you. Jesus, who lived the perfect life of love. Every selfish tendency inside of us, I know inside of me, that I say, God, take it away. Your life in me, not my life. I want to spend more time with you, Jesus, so I can become more like you. That call is there for you and for me today, to become a disciple, a follower, a learner, an apprentice of Jesus. And again, not just on our own to be with Jesus, to be more like Jesus, but together as a church family, all of us, together seeking to be, spend more time with Jesus 
so we could all become more like Jesus. And so that then the message would ring out from this corner that people would say, man, that church that started in 1737, something's going on right there. Something is happening. They're acting more like Jesus and not like the critiques that we read about Christians out there in terms of judgmental, angry, whatever. No, we are out there serving, loving, washing feet like Jesus because we're spending time with him. That's what it could look like in the 21st century as we respond to the call. Um, Again, not because of what we do, but because of God's work. With the grace and the freedom knowing that we don't have to have it all figured out. We don't have to have our lives cleaned up to come to Jesus. Again, look at these first century disciples. The fisherman, the tax collector, the guy who wanted to overthrow the government, the traitor. They didn't have it all together. But they heard those words, come, follow me. And they responded. And they spent time with Jesus, and they became more like Jesus. And they messed up a whole lot along the way, so there's a lot of grace in that. But still, you stay with it, you stay with him, and you stay in the process. So that's God's call for us. And God, if you remember anything from the sermon, remember this, that God supernaturally calls us with his life-transforming grace, right, so that then he calls us to share that grace with others, right, to hear this call, come follow me, here in the 21st century, hear that call, and hear that message, and respond to that message. I tell you, if you have any questions about this message, I personally would love to talk to you. If you've heard of this, or in these last couple weeks, as we've been considering these essentials, saying, okay, I've heard a lot about this, Jesus, or I've heard a lot about Christianity, I want to know more. I would love to help you know more. I know our church would love to help you more. Jennifer mentioned joining a small group. That's one uh, wonderful way to do it. Be a part of classes. Right, dedicate not just one time block, but two time blocks on Sunday morning. Sounds revolutionary, but to grow in your faith, to attend a class, learn more about the Bible, learn more about what it means to pray, what it means to be with Jesus in order to become more like Jesus. It doesn't just happen naturally. We need a supernatural intervention because on our own, we're floating away from Jesus. We need to take steps towards Jesus to become like Jesus. And so as a church, think about that as we continue into, and there's gonna be new opportunities, even like a specific Advent studies, things that are gonna be out there for you to do to get, connect with other people. Because the more you're with, other, with others who are like Jesus, you also become more like Jesus. And that ultimately is the goal And as we respond to his call. One thing to do as you think generally, more specifically about this is identify a specific blessing in your life from God and then seek to intentionally pass that blessing on to another person this week. Um, it's, something just a normal practice that you could take. Just reflect on that a bit. How have you been blessed? How can you go be a blessing this week so that that message would ring out from your life like it rang out from those Thessalonian Christians nearly 2,000 years ago? Let me pray for you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, as we have considered the call of God, your call, and the call of Jesus who said, come follow me, first and foremost, God, I say thank you. Thank you for that call. Thank you that you have not given up on us and you will never give up on us and that you are constantly calling us into relationship with you and a deeper relationship with you. Oh Lord, may that be the case. I pray for each person who's heard this message that they would hear that personal call from you. God, that you want to know them more and you love them deeply and you're calling them to follow you, Jesus. And then the result of that, that we become more like you, Jesus. And may that be a case and a marker of our church, New Providence Presbyterian Church, in the days, weeks, months, and even years ahead. As we continue in worship and come to this time of communion, thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for us. 
And as we reflect and thank you and celebrate what you've done, meet us with your grace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.